0: Sean J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Oh, the drama. The drama just playing out before our eyes in Green Bay as the Packers are expecting Aaron Rodgers to be there in Green Bay as the Packers report to training camp today. If not today, hopefully tomorrow they are working out some final details in his contract, but nonetheless, he has arrived in G.B., and is maybe enjoying some breakfast with his fiance right now as he looks over his contract. I don't quite know, but what I do know is he will be the starting quarterback for the Packers next season, and that is all but Confirmed. So, um, again, they are likely to reach an agreement that would bring him back for the 2021 season. Adam Schefter reported yesterday that there were concessions made to get Rodgers to agree to report to camp. And here are some of the concessions really quick for you. The 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, the last one in his current deal, would be voided with no tags allowed in the future. The Packers would agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. Rodgers' contract would be adjusted with no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room right now. And mechanisms would would be put in place to address Rogers' issues with the team. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and that is where we were just a few moments ago with Rob demonsky He is our ESPN Packers reporter, and uh, he had some interesting things to say, but one that really changed my husband here, Jordan Cornette. I'm Shay Cornette, by the way. Changed the narrative of how this thing has kind of played out in Green Bay. Take a listen to Rob.
2: Absolutely, and, and that's a great point. And, and that's maybe why,
3: maybe he won't, come and practice right away uh if he doesn't it's probably because there's some things that need to be worked out behind the scenes to make sure that the hurt feelings are mended you know we'll find that out on Wednesday when they actually hit the practice field to see you know what he does if anything but there are some things that need to be repaired
1: Okay, there are some things that need to be repaired. And Jordan and I were laughing sort of and arguing before we went to break here because this is what I have been saying all morning long. Like, there are going to be those in the locker room that are going to be eye-rolling and saying yet again, this has been all about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm so glad you're finally here. And Devontae Adams, welcome. I'm so glad you're finally here. And you guys have decided finally to commit to this team. But it's rubbed me the wrong way that things have, the way things have gone this offseason.
3: And, and I guess my, what brought me along was in talking to Rob, who is very insightful and always has good intel. I started to think about, yeah, maybe there's always been some of these guys who've had issue with who Aaron Rodgers is, and maybe this is just checking the box of, here we go again with Aaron Rodgers. If that's the case, then it's much ado about nothing because we saw what those performances still led to. An MVP season, a team on the doorstep of making a Super Bowl. But kind of when I look at the decisions that Aaron Rodgers made, one thing to, to be at odds with management—that happens. It's a business. Your teammates don't hold that against you. Right. Where they do maybe have issue is the presentation of this to the masses. And when Aaron Rodgers went and posted the Instagram story with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and everybody made the last dance reference, and Devontae Adams also tweeted the same thing out on his or posted the same same thing on his Instagram story. It separates you from team. It separates you with the 53-man roster from the other 51. And yeah. it says, this is our plight. This is our journey this year. It shouldn't be two Chicago Bulls. It should be a team roster. And those little things subconsciously make it under a team's skin and if, uh, under teammates' skin. And if I'm going to try to read between the lines, I might say, what kind of mindset is Aaron Rodgers coming in with? Is he coming in with like, hey, I'm just here. I'm just here because i got to do this one year. So I don't, literally so I don't get fined. i, I got my flexibility, <laughs> Shay. I'm just coming into Green Bay. I'm going to let it fly. If I play good football, great. You would think he's not going to be like that because Aaron Rodgers is a competitor. He's a Hall of Famer, and he's proved a, a dedication to his teammates and a love for this game and a respect for this game. But we don't know how disgruntled Aaron Rodgers is. So what if Aaron is coming back and he has alienated guys? What if he is so disgusted with management that he isn't approaching this like he has every other season? We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to be as a person here in Green Bay, and that is very interesting. Look, here's what I know about the
1: workplace. When you have either an alpha male or an alpha female, it doesn't matter, and they are in a mood or they aren't feeling the vibe, it kind of brings everybody down. Why and when,
3: are you looking at me like that? I, <laughs> why are you looking at me like
1: that? Because there are times in our household sometimes this person is you where you're a bad vibe and it's like the whole house feels it, okay? And Aaron <laughs> Rodgers coming in as the quarterback, as the captain, as someone that everyone looks to for – direction advice a vibe whatever it may be if he comes in kind of in this mood of annoyance and being disgruntled and exhausted with what has transpired over the past couple of months like that's going to be felt throughout the walls at Lambeau Field and so while I know it is only training camp and I know there is a lot of time for this all to get worked out and for guys to get have some discussions and communicate which seems to be the problem there in Green Bay anyways but I digress. Like. There are, is time to get this figured out, but time is of the essence now. Like, they need to work through this, and it needs to happen in a quick manner because a moody Aaron Rodgers is going to get no one anywhere in Green Bay.
3: But when you talk about potential for having alienated guys, let's go through the top dogs on the roster, right? You got Devontae Adams. He's right in unison with the approach to this whole thing as Aaron Rodgers. He's coming back because Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. They posted the same story. They're together on this. David Bactiari, the left tackle, is healthy, and that's Aaron's guy. Their relationship is undeterred. They are still close. That's your left tackle. Your running back, Aaron Jones, well, he made a lot of his money because of Aaron Rodgers, and that's how he got this new contract. So you imagine he's loyal there. As for the defense, we know the sport of football. They're two separate teams anyway. Those guys aren't touching Aaron Rodgers in practice. So if they have issue, so what? And this is all speculative. They all might just be overjoyed that Aaron's back. We might be the ones in the media here trying to throw something out there that's not going on. And that is very, very possible. But if there are people that have issue, who are they? And how much of an issue can it be? It's a fair question to ask just because of some of the decisions Aaron has made in his passive-aggressive approach.
1: It's just funny because I feel like when you wake up to this news, it's like, okay, he's back. We're done talking about it. The contract's going to be signed. He's going to be the starting quarterback. The cryptic Instagrams, who cares? We've got it all worked out. We don't need to talk about this anymore. But then there's like layers to it, right? Like there definitely are more, there's more things to look at. How do the fans feel about it? How is the locker room going to feel? How does this affect, how does this affect uh, the coach? How does this affect the GM and the owner? Like there's a lot of different layers to this Aaron Rodgers thing because he's the quarterback, because he's the reigning MVP, and because he does have a direct impact on the success of this team moving forward. And what are you rolling your eyes about? Who cares because
3: about what? Because I'm a fan, you're a fan. you got to be <laughs> self-aware. We don't matter. It doesn't matter what we feel about our favorite players. They're not worried about that. They always say with management, if you think like the fans, you're you're going to be be out there sitting with the fans. Same pertains to the players. If you worry about the fans, eventually you're going to be sitting with the fans. I'm speaking as a fan. That's all I am now. I'm no longer an athlete. So this is not taking shots at anybody. I'm part of all of us. We are fans. It don't matter. It's not going to bug Aaron Rodgers if people aren't on his side or not. And let's go back to the reality of the situation. He's the reigning MVP. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You could argue he's the most talented player in this league, and Green Bay is highly competitive and one of the teams you consider to make the Super Bowl this year. That appeases the fans. It ultimately appeases those teammates he plays with, and it ultimately, no matter how contentious it got, appeases management. Mm-hmm. So, no matter how much we want to see there might, may, how, no matter how much we want to say there might be drama, maybe there is. But ultimately, you got to lean on well, what is this guy as a talent on the field, and then it comes down to can he deliver on the field because if he does all this doesn't really matter.
1: Mm. Uh, W's cure all. <laughs> Let's just say that. The winning and good play will cure everything and we will forget about this and we will be laughing like if they start out like 5 and 0 we'll be laughing in October that we but, were even talking but about. But babe, this.
3: what about his mindset? I mean, he's got to have the proper mindset to go in there and be Aaron Rodgers. And that's true. And that's the one thing That is unknown right now.
1: Nah, come on. All all the great ones figure out a way, right? Like, they they rarely have back-to-back bad games. Like, they find a way to overcome the losses. Michael
3: Jordan was the comparison we're making here. Michael Jordan was disgruntled. He was a mental titan. MJ could compartmentalize anything and go in there and get it done. You're talking about the greatest athlete of all time. He could get to that level. Aaron is great. Aaron's one of the greatest ever in his sport. Can Aaron do that same thing if those feelings are still very real?
1: We will find out, and we will find out sooner rather than later, again, as the Packers are reporting to training camp today. Time to switch gears, though. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is brought to you by Barbasol. Barbasol shaving cream is available in five fantastic flavors to customize your close shave, whether it's the classic original or sensitive skin. There's one for every face. Find your favorite Barbasol today. Close shave America. Close shave Barbasol. All right, how about college football news not just the NFL but we're staying on the gridiron nonetheless Oklahoma and Texas officially notified the Big 12 on Monday that they will not be renewing their grants of media rights after the expiration in 2025 that is according to a joint statement released by both schools and so the inevitable is happening they are jumping ship from the Big 12 to the SEC but when Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum show is joining us right now and Paul Feinbaum joins us on the Goodyear hotline brought to you by Goodyear helping you discover the road ahead Goodyear more driven okay Paul so now that Texas and Oklahoma have made it clear they are leaving the Big 12, what is next as they try and join the SEC?
4: Well, what they have to do is formally ask for admittance into the SEC. I know that sounds ridiculous after everything we've been hearing for the past week. But this is all being driven by high-priced lawyers. And when that happens, the SEC presidents will meet on Thursday, and act like this is the first they've heard of this, so they'll talk about it and consider it, even though this is a fait accompli, this has probably been a done deal for many, many months. And, and, th- and then the real problems begin. How does these two uh, giants disengage from the Big 12 without costing themselves about $75 million, million apiece? Not that that would really affect either school very much, uh, but and uh, in, in, in the Big 12 is trying to hold on for dear life, and quite frankly, that is an uphill battle. <laughs>
3: And, Paul, going to that, the the grant of media rights doesn't expire until 2025, as we all know. Uh, When do you, and it would probably have to be a guesstimation here, anticipate that Texas and Oklahoma do play their first games in the SEC?
4: It's possible uh, it could happen next year uh, because this thing is going to dissolve. And and listen, we've all been there before, whether it was dating in high school or or working at a job where no one wants you. Uh, You you don't want to be in an environment no matter no matter what's at stake. And it's detrimental to every side. So I I think they'll find a way. And usually money is going to ameliorate the, the bad feelings. So it's entirely possible Texas and Oklahoma could be in the SEC a year from now, which is just mind-boggling considering where we were, Jordan, a week ago when almost nobody knew about this story other than the commissioner of the SEC and the presidents of Texas and Oklahoma.
1: Isn't that crazy how things can change so quickly? Talking to Paul Feinbaum right now in the good to your <laughs> hot time, He is the host of the Paul Feinbaum Show. Okay, so what does this mean for the other conferences, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12? What do they do next? Let's start with the Big 12, really, because they're going to be two without two of their powerhouses in their conference.
4: Yeah, so you start looking at this uh, on the chessboard, and, and what kind of moves do they have? Uh, what are their, their best moves are really to bring in someone like BYU, even though that's a stretch, or Houston. I think you're getting the memo right now. That's not going to matter. Uh, th- so the Big 12, I think, is going to just try to, st- try to stay together or maybe look for a merger or just say, forget about it, let everybody go find a new home. And then you, you start working your way across the country. Let's let's look at who are the best and most attractive teams out there. I was about to say products, but I'll be be (laughs) nice here and and call them schools and teams. Uh, Notre Dame is is the biggest out there, but Notre Dame does not want a conference. Uh, They have this weird marriage uh, with the ACC where they play in every other sport but football and hockey, and they use it to their advantage last year, but they they don't really want an affiliation. So who's after Notre Dame? You, You know what the answer is, Jordan? Nobody mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because there 's nobody out there that can really move the needle and i don 't want to you know go down a laundry list of schools and and take shots, but you know West Virginia wants in the, in the ACC oh great uh, i 'm sure uh, you know the elite in uh, Chapel hill and, 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 and Charlottesville really really care about that. Uh, you have Cincinnati and Iowa State that would like to, to be in any league other than the one they 're in. okay, thanks uh, does anyone really want them so uh, it 's really a very difficult game because most of the big chips have been have been taken. Now, the one thing that is being floated out there would be a super merger, like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 marrying each other. And, and by that, I mean, they would play a couple of games a year, maybe, maybe a Penn State, USC, or, or, or Michigan and Oregon. I mean, something that just, quite frankly, doesn't make a lot of sense, but they save face. And I know I live in the SEC country, and that's where I work, but the bottom line is no matter what they try to put together out there, without Notre Dame, nobody can come close or anywhere near what is going on right now in the SEC.
3: Yeah, and it can't be stated enough, like Paul just said, The best counterpunch is a Notre Dame to the ACC, and that's where all eyes are. Everything else is just everything else. I was listening to your show yesterday, Paul. You do such a great job. Uh, The callers are are, are typically the highlight, Uh, but it was a fascinating conversation as you said what this means for Texas getting to the SEC, and I couldn't agree more. When you look at Texas and you look at OU, who joining the SEC does it mean more for? I think
4: Texas is really the big winner of all this because Oklahoma didn't need this. I mean, they they were dominating uh, the Big 12. I think in the last um, 11 years, somebody gave me this number the other day. Texas only has the sixth best winning percentage in the Big 12. They were not able to compete anymore, and that's pretty shocking if you go deep into history. Texas used to be the biggest name around. So Texas is taking a shot. Listen, uh, they're saying to themselves, we're not doing very well where we are. We need to expand our brand. We saw what Texas A&M did uh, in, in 2012 by going to the SEC. Uh, last year, Texas A&M was the finish number four in the country, just barely missing the playoffs. So they're going to gamble on that, and it's probably a good gamble because last year Texas lost the best player, Jordan, in the state of Texas to Alabama. And not only that, the guy's father played for the Longhorns. Oh, I mean, no. he, they, it's just they, they have just been unable to make it happen. So uh, they're saying, okay, at some point in time, Nick Saban is going bye bye. He'll he turns 70 in Oklahoma uh, in October, in, in Oklahoma, uh, and, I, and Alabama <laughs> fans don't think he's ever going to retire. Uh, you know, he'll be coaching until uh, he's uh, 150. But at some point, he is going to go, and that opens the door for everyone else, especially Texas and Oklahoma.
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Paul, is a Notre Dame alum, as a guy who works for the ACC Network, clearly I'm very <laughs> invested in the future for Notre Dame and very conflicted. Um, and a lot of the conversation comes to ultimately Notre Dame's hand will have to be forced um, to, to give away their independence because they hold it so fiercely tight. Uh, what would it take to force the hand of Notre Dame to eventually say, hey, we can't stay independent?
4: I don't, quite frankly, think there is anything right now because Jordan, you know, it's not like Notre Dame really needs the money. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a very uh, endowment rich school. It has everything in the world, and, and I, I just think that you know, if, if if Notre Dame was was ever going to make that move, it would have been after last year when when let's be honest, the ACC threw them a, a life raft, and, and they benefited mightily from it by making the playoffs, but you know, Notre Dame, uh, I think it was Jim Phillips, the, uh, the ACC commissioner said last week at the media days that, that Notre Dame cares most about two things. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> being, you know, being Catholic <laughs> yes. and, and its independence, and they seem to care more about the latter these days <laughs> than, than the former. And you know, you can joke about it all you want, but you know, I just don't think that's going to happen. And Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame, is one of the best in the in the country. He he plays such a critical role in college football. And you talk to him, I, I talked to him not too long ago, and he just doesn't seem that interested in, in being a member of that conference when, in football. And, you know, again, uh, he's got the best of both worlds. He plays basketball in that conference and everything else in and, and football. They, Notre Dame has its own network with NBC and, quite frankly, doesn't need anything else.
3: Yeah, and the other part to this whole thing when people think of these massive mergers, Paul, is it's not that easy to bring a school into your conference and just keep things moving. Can you shed a little bit of light on, you know, what goes into bringing in a Texas and OU? For example, scheduling is a problematic thing amongst a myriad of other issues.
4: Scheduling is the most difficult uh, because the SEC, for example, uh, used to be at 10. It went to 12, and then in 2012 – it added Missouri and Texas A&M. It takes years to integrate all that, and it's complicated because if, if, you're, a, if you're an athlete at, at Alabama, you would like to see all the different campuses at some point in, in, in your league, but if you have 16 schools, there's no way that's going to happen. So you, you have to figure something out. And and I'm sure that's being worked on, but it's just you know you, you only have eight conference games right now. I'm sure that will go to nine, but it's just uh, it, you know these super conferences don't make a lot of sense. The ACC is, is doing that in basketball. And, 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 Jordan, I know you work at the ACC Network, but, but I'm not sure on live television you could tell me all the members of that league right now because it's, it's convoluted because some play basketball, some play football, uh, and some don't do much of anything.
1: <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, thank you so much for the insight this morning. We appreciate it. That's going to be out. Paul's final words <laughs> <Yeah>. right there. <laughs> and for once, someone else is getting the last word, not you. The Paul Feinbaum Show is weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network and on the ESPN app. Paul, we'll talk to you later. You like that? See, I gave Paul the last word instead of you.
3: Paul, Paul gets that ni- that nice shot in. Some of them don't do anything. Paul, thanks for joining the show. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Come on. All right, we're going to stay with
1: college football here. Jordan's going to make the argument why the SEC should want to merge with the ACC. That would be good for college football. We'll let him do that next. That's uh, KJZ on ESPN Radio and Series XM Channel 80. Okay, so conference realignment is on the horizon and in a very big way. This is Keyshawn J. Willen Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. My name is Shay Cornette. He is Jordan Cornette. We're filling in for the guys today and tomorrow. And tomorrow, Jay, we do have a big day in terms of the NFL. Because Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears head coach, is going to join us at 8.40 a.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss that conversation. I just want to know if he's been following the Packers saga. Do you think he has?
3: Uh, I think the Chicago Bears have probably been monitoring that closely. I can't imagine they were celebrating when that plane touched down.
1: (laughs) Well, we will ask uh, Coach Nagy himself tomorrow. Um, Let's stay in college football though. Oklahoma and Texas officially did notify the Big 12 on Monday that they will not be renewing their grants of media rights after their expiration in 2025. That was according to a joint statement released by both schools, and so a move to the SEC at this point is now inevitable, and we don't know when that's going to come. We could find out that sooner rather than later, but nonetheless... Realignment in terms of college athletics is on the horizon. And here is a joint statement to the Big 12. Providing notice to the Big 12 at this point is important in advance of the expiration of the conference's current media rights agreement. The universities intend to honor their existing grant of right agreements. However, both universities will continue to monitor the rapidly evolving collegiate athletics landscape as they consider consider how best to position their athletics programs for the future, end quote. And so, Jay, Jay Billis, our ESPN colleague, he covers ESPN basketball at ESPN for us. Um, he had something interesting, and he presented this yesterday. Take a listen to Jay Billis.
4: If you're in this business now, you're going to have to start thinking bigger. Uh, Greg Sankey and the SEC are certainly doing that. Uh, if I were commissioner of the ACC, one thing I'd be thinking about is approaching the SEC and saying, look at all the natural rivals we have,
3: rivalries we have
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, in our conference. Why don't we start thinking about a merger? Because that, that's what the SEC is going to become. It's going to become the NFL, a junior NFL and that's a right.
4: junior NBA. And there's no reason why the ACC shouldn't jump in there and take advantage of those natural rivalries and markets. And if I, were, if I were Jim Phillips, I'd be ringing Greg Sankey's phone saying, how about a merger?
1: Interesting. So he says the ACC should ask for a merger with the SEC. And look, I think the Big 12 is probably in the biggest trouble right now in terms of what they're going to do going forward, considering their two biggest schools and in, in the, like in terms of revenue are going elsewhere and they're going to the sec and so looking to the acc what i would assume billis is pointing at as the next biggest best conference i don't know um merging with the sec is what could be on the horizon but i think what a lot of people especially those who are fans of the sec believe is that that is the best conference now in all of college sports why does the acc have an argument against that
3: uh, it, they have an argument against it, but going back to J, Jay Billis' words is Jay is showing this is an exercise of what a, a commissioners of power conferences need to be doing is thinking big, and that's what Jay's doing here, thinking outside the box, thinking big. An ACC-SEC merger, you couldn't have dreamt of Jay Billis getting on TV and saying True. those words a, as recent as a, a week ago. True. But that's where we are with this move from Greg Sankey in the SEC to go get Texas and Oklahoma. But here's the thing. You don't hit the panic button if you're a commissioner of the Big Ten or the ACC. You've got great media deals and great media rights. You've got your own networks. Your monies are make, your your conferences and your schools are making – your conference, respectively, and your schools are making money. So you're good there. You don't have to have a knee-jerk reaction. You don't need to go grab a TCU. You don't need to go grab a Baylor. You don't need to go grab a BYU. You need to grab somebody if it works. And for the Big Ten and for the ACC – the best grab is Notre Dame. However, the Big Ten doesn't have a path there because there are exclusive language in the contract with the ACC and Notre Dame because in every other sport but football, they're in bed together. So Notre Dame joins the conference, it has to be the ACC. So remove the Big Ten from the conversation. So that's where the ACC lies. Now, you heard Jay Jay Billis talk about these built-in rivalries between the ACC and the SEC, and that's interesting because there are some very strong rivalries that I think people forget about between the ACC and the SEC. You've got Clemson, South Carolina. You've got Florida, Florida State. You've got Georgia, Georgia Tech. You've got Kentucky, Louisville. Those are very impressive rivalries. That makes sense to bring the two together. ACC don't need to join the SEC. ACC, we got a good thing going right now. we got a great commissioner – and Commissioner Jim Phillips, who's as savvy as they come, a guy who did great things at Northwestern and understands how this works, the, the, the commissioner before him, a legend, and Commissioner John Swafford, propped this thing up in a proper place where we are good. We are in a good space with Notre Dame at the ACC where we've got all the other sports. Notre Dame, we gave them a home in 2020 during a crazy COVID era, and it couldn't have gone any better. Remember our first date? Do you remember our first date? Yeah, it was a Bulls game. What else was it?
1: Uh, dinner in a
3: Bulls game. There's a concert involved in that. Oh first yeah, day. all for one. We saw all for one all too for one at that Bulls game. At show. And John Paxson, who was part of that yeah. front office, hooked us up with the tickets, yeah, and we did. got a concert. Yeah, we did. That we night ended up that. being pretty good for your boy. We won't get into all that, but that first impression goes a long way, shay <laughs> So Notre Dame and the ACC, ACC had a good first date. Does that mean that Notre Dame's going to forget about how important their independence is? Absolutely not. But it's a start. So you've got that bullet in the chamber if you're the ACC saying, at some point, we might bring Notre Dame over. We've got a lot of history and tradition in the football side. Clemson is as dominant as they come currently. They are a dynasty right now. Mm -hmm. Florida State's on its way back up. Miami's on its way back up. We know what it means to have those two teams be good in college football. So you got that side. The ACC's basketball, too and we know what the basketball side brings. You've got North Carolina. You've got Duke, Virginia, Florida State. Those are all important. Again, going back to the money being made in the ACC. You've got a network. You've got those rights. You're putting a lot of money to the tune of nearly $30 million to each school in the conference. And, oh, by the way, which is also of uh, huge importance when you talk about realignment, the schools within this conference, in this ACC – are elevated academically. They are elite institutions. So for all those reasons, the ACC is not the Big 12. The only person needs to be panicking right now is the Big 12, probably the Pac-12 as well. But the Big 10's in a good spot, and the ACC is certainly in a great spot because of the leadership there and Commissioner Jim Phillips and because the big move they need to make – is probably go get Notre Dame. And if anybody's positioned to get Notre Dame, right now it's the ACC. So the last thing you can do is panic. You can't panic and add for the sake of adding. It needs to make sense, and the ACC's in a decent spot.
1: I just feel like, look, I went to, the big, I went to a school in the Big Ten. I went to Indiana, and so I'm a Big Ten girl at heart. And I just feel like all this conference realignment, while it is inevitable in college sports because it's happened for years now and it's happened multiple times, is this really good for college athletics? Is it really good to be creating these new rivalries or, you know, changing the way a schedule is structured or having new and look, the sharing of power is going to happen year after year. It's going to change, right? Like eventually, Clemson's going to be dethroned in the ACC. Eventually, Alabama's going to be dethroned in the SEC. Eventually, Ohio State will be dethroned in the Big Ten, and so on and so forth. But when you're adding all these new teams, it just creates this different dynamic and it creates these different rivalries. And that's fine, Mel. Call me old school, and I, I actually don't mind change. But in terms of just keeping things consistent and yeah. keeping what we've known in that pageantry, especially in football and basketball, and um and so on down the line, like I, I don't like all this. Let me change. ask
3: Let me ask you this because people think just because sp- like it, people think just because it's sports, they play by a different set of rules, and that's not necessarily the case. Take our home; we got a lovely home in Fairfield, Connecticut. We are very lucky to have our home. Okay, with what's going on in the world prices are skyrocketing with real estate we love our home our child you gave birth to him not in the home but while living in that home okay so it means a great deal to us what are we getting at we're lucky enough that the value of the home may increase because of what real estate's doing in this COVID era and so if we have an opportunity to cash out and find a different home are you gonna say but we have the nostalgia here and all this no you're gonna be like we can make money off of this this could be a sound business venture We'll figure it out in a new house because we'll have each other.
1: Okay, That's not, what's going no, on here. I might say that, but then I'm like, oh, the cost of moving and then getting reacclimated and it's a big pain in the butt. So and like, Do I it. really want to do You're that? You're so
3: full of it. You would do that in a heartbeat. You have the opportunity to make over a whole new home, have me have no input in it, and you get to have a whole new canvas to play with. You are jumping at that. Who are you lying to right now? Myself, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So but. that's my point is with with this realignment stuff, I get it. You're gonna be nostalgic. You're gonna. Yearn I'm actually for the not even days. that mad because
1: the Big Ten is like not even in half of these conversations because it's just. You guys are a great spot. You guys are in a great put. spot. And that's great what spot. I'm saying. So, as a Big Ten alum, I'm like, okay, y'all can be merging and sending teams other places and whatever. I'm cool.
3: My point is, I, I get it. I'm with you. I hated to see it. I grew up watching the Big East, and, and you know what? What ruined that old Big East? What, Grandpa? Football, football, <laughs> and money. And when you started with this story, you go, now we shift to college football. Texas and OU leaving basketball's leaving. The university's leaving. Olympic sports are leaving. Cal- but you said college football. And that's but a Freudian slip because that's all this yeah, is. Football's on the top it's of my football mind. and it's money, and money will always rule every decision. So, no matter how we feel about it, if there's money to be made, especially because of what's happened in, in the college landscape in terms of financials, because of the hits from COVID, people are going to look to chase the dollar more so than ever. This is just the tip. This is just the start. We're just scratching the surface. Big Ten is good for now. They don't need to hit the panic button for now.
1: I'm just happy you didn't sing the "Cash Everything Around Me" line today. Because normally the Rizza, oh, the Jizza,
3: no, old oh, dirty bastard, inspector deck, Rayquaza, chef, you got Ghostface Killer. Come on, stop! It's so dorky. M e t h o d man.
1: All right, I got some news. Speaking of football. Aaron Rodgers has arrived at Lambeau Field. <laughs> this is
3: news. He's there.
1: It is official. He is there. He is in the building. He is ready for training camp. I never thought we'd get here, but we have. On the day that the Packers report to training camp, Aaron Rodgers is in the building, it, ready to is, do it.
3: This is a uh, sublime storyline to follow this year.
1: It is sublime. Because
3: it, it's not a story that's paid itself off. No, it hasn't. Usually you've got this off-season stuff, guy gets signed, okay, now let's get down to business. But now it's... What damage has been done? What's this going to play like in front of the public eye this whole season? It's going to be fun
1: to watch. It will be. Guess what's going to be fun to watch? Caller roulette because that is next. It's your turn to weigh in after Jordan has this from Goodyear.
3: Every move we make pushes us forward, whether it's on the track, the court, or even on the field. Movement. It's how we make our impression on the world. It's part of who we are. When we pursue it with everything we've got, it shows us who we'll become. Every move we make, every road we choose to go down, every mile marker we pass – Takes us to a new place and shows the world just how far we can go. Good year, more driven. It's time for call a roulette. You know the rules. Don't ask us how we are. We're good. I don't want to hear any of that. Get in, say your name, and make your point and ask the question. 888 729
0: 888 say ESPN. And don't mess it up.
3: Don't mess it up. Especially you, line
0: five. Passion, drive, and patience.
2: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: All right, it's time to play Call a Roulette. If you want to give us a call, the phone number is 888-SAY-ESPN. It's triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Again, 888 say ESPN. We want to hear from you. We're going to play a game of Caller Roulette in just a minute. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests have joined us on the Goodyear Hotline and will join us hopefully shortly when we play Caller Roulette in the Goodyear Hotline. I'm Shay Cornette. He's Jordan Cornette. It's been fun filling in for the guys yesterday, today. We'll do it again tomorrow and tomorrow. We will have Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy. He's going to join us at 8.40 a.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss that. We'll ask about the quarterback battle.
3: That's where we're starting. That's what we're doing in the middle, and that's what we're doing at the end. What do you mean? I'm trying to find out who the quarterback is in Chicago. Oh, okay. I'm like, what are you
1: trying to say? <laughs> um, me too, I guess, even though I already know. I don't know why you're pretending like you don't. I've told you time and time again. Listen to the resident in Chicago and will you please? All right, let's play color roulette. Spin the wheel. <laughs> Line one. This is Ed. Hi. Hi, Ed. What do you got?
0: Yeah, well, I want to to I have a comment to about what Jordan was saying earlier Let about how it. the ACC about the ACC needs to merge with the with the SEC. How Florida State is on the rise. How Georgia, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Kentucky those those are not those are rivalries, but they're they're only rivalries in those particular states. Nobody outside of Kentucky watches Louisville. Louisville and Kentucky play. Nobody outside of Georgia watches Georgia. Georgia Tech play. The, the SEC does not need the the ACC not for not for football. It doesn't. It. I mean, because that's what we're discussing. We're discussing football from Oklahoma and Texas coming to play in the SEC. We don't need. They don't need um, Florida State. Florida State is not on the rise. How are they on the rise? I live here in the state of Florida, where Florida State is. They're not on the rise.
3: Let them know, well, well, Jay. Well, fast, Ed, let me, just, let me just really make this very clear. <laughs> Ain't nobody boxing me into a conversation. I didn't say the SEC <laughs> needs the ACC, and I certainly would never insinuate that the ACC needs the SEC. I think both stand alone beautifully. But, yes, yeah, some rivalries are regionalized, no question. I didn't say these were national brand rivalries. I was speaking to the rivalries that, that Jay Billis mentioned. If it's up to me, the SEC and Greg Sankey stay doing what they're doing over there, and our guys, the ACC, and what Commissioner Jim Phillips has going on, on our side, we keep doing what we're doing because both are humming. But, yes, they're looking to expand, and they're thinking bigger. That was Jay Billis' proposal. I ain't mad at it. I'm just not in full support of it. So, Ed, don't get mad at me. You stay over there, we'll stay over here, and everybody will be copacetic.
1: Okay, and I just want to point this out. In terms of speaking in only college football, Like, let's give college hoops and other sports some love, too. No, I'm going to do it. Oklahoma joining the SEC. College hoops, they've advanced to the second round of the NCAA tournament, six of the past eight tournaments. Okay? These aren't some scrubs. The SEC and college hoops tied with the Pac-12 for most first-round picks in the 2020 draft with five. Like. They're a very good program. It's just
3: weird that you picked that OU's down. gone to the second round a bunch of years. It's just like, letting you know. Just pick better like standards than that. I mean, All right. yeah, they're they're a great football program with pretty good basketball. Okay,
1: line two, please, or spin the wheel and then give me line two. Rare, <laughs> rare, <laughs> <laughs> line two.
0: Hey, I guess I knew it was coming on before the spin. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, this is Muhammad from uh, New Jersey. I just wanted to ask a question, um, and also I'm a huge Florida State fan, so i called it before. I don't know what he's talking about it being regionalized, but my question was uh, what you know, what is Florida State closer to becoming, a uh, basketball powerhouse or becoming a football powerhouse again?
1: That's a good question. I like it.
3: That's a really good question. Uh, you know, I, Florida State basketball has already arrived. Leonard Hamilton and what he's doing there. It's the new bloods is what he likes to call them instead of a blue blood. But they're really established. For football, it's going to be really interesting to see a new regime in there, obviously. Is Mackenzie Milton going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Jordan Travis? A whole lot of transfers there in that rebuild that's going on with Mike Norvell. Uh, You've got to be patient. And Florida State's not used to what this era has been as of late of uh, futility. But it's a proud program. If Mackenzie Milton can look like how he did in what was 2018, 2019, Uh, then they've got a chance to surprise. And all you want to see is a program that's moving towards improvement. And once you show signs of, all right, this program has stability, it has a coach that's going to be there, let's start winning the in-state recruiting because all the talent is right there in Florida. And, Mohammed, I think Florida State will be back on its way. But for right now, basketball is what they lead with. But let's be very clear. Florida State will forever be a football school with the history there.
1: Spin the wheel. Line five. This is Sarah from
4: Dallas, Texas, and I'm so excited to be on. But what I want to talk about is
0: Texas and OU moving from the Big 12. As a Texas alum, I bleed burnt orange, and I don't want to leave the Big 12. And I want to know what you think if the SEC that's going to be meeting later will actually – Take us and
4: accept us because we can't beat Bama because we can't even beat OU. Okay,
1: Sarah, first of all, she'll. Of a poor connection there, so some of it was hard to hear. But this is what I like find hilarious. And I understand what she's saying. She's like, we can't beat Bama. We could barely beat OU. Well, the Texases of old could probably beat Bama. However, when did Texas and Oklahoma become these two schools that were begging for a place to go? Like now they're begging, like the SEC has to let them come in. This is true.
3: But no, it's not true because what what you know about OU is they've been a mainstay in this college football playoff. Texas and, and and talking with Paul Feinbaum, we both agreed. Texas stands the most to gain here Mm -hmm. because Texas has been floundering as of late Mm -hmm. getting into the sec adds the element of, Oh, that's intriguing for recruits. You start to elevate your talent. They're going to take some lumps early on because it's the sec it's Alabama it's LSU when they get back and it's, it's a load of other schools like Georgia, but when they get there and are legitimized by that sec, then things will start to change for them. But let's be very clear. You could argue Oklahoma has been looking with a wandering eye for a while here now, Texas, we just never thought they'd do it. There was a time where we thought, were they going to move to the Pac-12? Uh, for them to get here, it's because of what these programs are. And the only way the SEC doesn't take them is if they don't want to wait around until 2025 when those media rights expire. And that is the only way. Otherwise, this is one of the biggest moves in the history of college athletics and what it's going to do to ultimately change the landscape moving forward. So the SEC and Greg Sankey are over the moon with what's going on right
1: now. All right, quickly, we only have time for one more. It's got to be fast. Line four, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I'm a big Nebraska fan, and, uh, you know, I think it was just a mistake going to the Big Ten. I mean, they're just terrible par, subpar ever since because they cannot recruit properly in the Big Ten. Okay. Well, I just want your thoughts.
1: All right. Well, he, he makes Tell kind of a Ten. point. He makes kind of a point. Nebraska hasn't been quite what Nebraska of old was, obviously, when they were in the Big 12. But nonetheless, I don't know that's because they joined the Big 10. I just think that their recruiting and everything else that they had going for them has fallen off of it. Would you not agree with that?
3: Well, I would also say that I don't think the Big 10 loves what Nebraska's been in terms of how outspoken they've been during this COVID era. So maybe that is a marriage that you don't immediately say has absolutely worked, but I think there's still Maryland people that are like why are we in a Big Ten I miss the ACC I miss being in that blueprint so can't please everybody
1: can't please everybody but hopefully we please you today Jordan Cornett Shay Cornett filling in for the guys Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin here on ESPN radio we will be back tomorrow Matt Nagy is going to join us at 8 40 a.m. Eastern but for now Greeny is next we'll see you tomorrow everybody
2: have you ridden an electric e-bike yet you need to check out electric e-bikes today the number one selling e-bike in America